Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every Sunday night at this time for Bible Crossfire. You're allowed to call in, ask a Bible question, make a Bible comment. Um, I don't want to call this thing a free-for-all, but we all do allow opposing views to be uh, presented as long as people remain civil about it. We're here to study the Bible together, not to try to ram my views down your throat, especially because I'm just a man. I could be wrong. The only rule we have in this program is that you have to prove what you say by the Bible. We don't want just assertions. We want to prove what we say by the Bible. Now, right now, the lines are wide open. So if you want to give us a call, make a comment, ask a Bible question, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Yeah, I just turned 60 years old back in March. And for as long as I can remember, people have been talking about this or that is the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast, 666. Let me read about that in Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. It says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, Save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six, or six sixty-six. And as I said, for as long as I can remember, about every two or three years, some big push comes out that this is the mark of the beast, this, that, or the other. And it changes about every two years. People claim this is the mark of the beast. Two years later, something else is the mark of the beast. And they keep saying this over and over and over. It's never going to end, I can tell. The first time I can remember this probably is in the early 80s when they were, Mikhail Gorbachev, and if you're as old as me, you'll remember him, president of USSR, had this big old birthmark on his forehead. And people were saying, see, Mikhail Gorbachev is the Antichrist. He's got the mark of the beast on his forehead. And then others were saying Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist because his name was Ronald Wilson Reagan, our president, uh, was elect, our president from 1980 to 88. You notice there's six letters in all three of his names. So people say C666, Ronald Reagan, he's got the mark of the beast. Or Gorbachev is the mark of the beast. After those guys left office, uh, it was something else. Two or three years later and two or three years after that. And and so for the last 40 years since I've been keeping up with it, I imagine there's been about 20 or 25 things. It just had to be the mark of the beast, 666. And we got it going on in our day. And what one thing that people are missing in all of this is that the book of Revelation actually puts a timetable on its own fulfillment. And the fulfillment of the book of Revelation, it says it's going to be fulfilled. These prophecies found in the book of Revelation are going to be fulfilled in the first century time frame. Not in 1980, not in 2001, not in 2021. They're going to be fulfilled. These prophecies in the book of Revelation, like the mark of the beast and the 666, were to be filled in the first century time frame. Now, I said a while ago, the only rule in this program is that we don't just make assertions. We prove what we say by the Bible because the Bible is our authority. Not Pat, not any caller, not anybody else. The Bible is our authority. Well, let me prove that to you. We start with the very first verse in the book of Revelation. Revelation 1.1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, 
which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto John, signified. There's going to be a lot of figurative things in the book of Revelation. It's written in symbols. We all know that. Almost all of it's written in symbols. But the point I want to make from this very first verse in the whole book is that it's talking about things. The prophecies are regarding things which must shortly come to pass. Not longly come to pass. Not some 2,000 years later, but things that must shortly come to pass. That's the very first verse in the very first chapter. And then Revelation 1, 3, that two verses later, the third verse in the first chapter says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. It didn't say the time is a long way off, like 2,000 years later. It says the time is near. In other words, the prophecies of the found in the book of Revelation were to be fulfilled in the first century time thing, time frame. Things which must shortly come to pass, the time is near. That's in the very first chapter. The very first chapter, the first verse and the third verse tell us that the prophecies of the book of Revelation are going to be fulfilled in the first century time frame. Shortly to come to pass, and the time is near. Then we go to the last chapter of the book of Revelation, and we see the same thing. Revelation 22, the last chapter, verse 6 says, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. We have all these people today saying, or 10 years ago, or 5 years ago, or 40 years ago, saying, this is the Antichrist, this is the mark of the beast, here's the 666. And they get this from the book of Revelation, yet the book of Revelation says it's about things which must shortly be done, not 1980 years later or 2,000 years later. And then another verse in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, verse 10. It says, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now this phrase, at hand, means near. It could mean near in location, or it could be near in time. Well, it tells us here, for the time is at hand. In other words, what Revelation 22, verse 10 is saying, the fulfillments of the prophecy of this book, were to happen shortly. The time is at hand. Four times in the book of Revelation, it tells us the prophecies of the book of Revelation would be fulfilled in a short amount of time, not a long amount of time. So when people tell you that today or in 1980 or in 2000 or in 2021, this is the mark of the beast, this is the 666, they're completely misunderstanding the book of Revelation. They have no clue. It's, they've probably never read the book of Revelation. Most of them haven't read it. But they still think that this particular thing or that particular thing is the mark of the beast, even though they have no clue what the book of Revelation is about because they never read it. Because if they had read the book of Revelation, they would see that four times, no less than four times, Revelation 1-1, Revelation 1-3, right at the beginning of the book, Revelation 22-6 and Revelation 22-10, right at the end of the book, four times God says the prophecies of this book, the book of Revelation, are to shortly to come to pass. The time is near, things which must shortly be done, for the time is at hand. How could God have made it any clearer? So if you believe God, if you believe what the Bible says, if you believe the book of Revelation, what it says about itself, then you'll believe that the prophecies, like the mark of the beast, like the 666, the prophecies written about in the book of Revelation were to be fulfilled in the first century time frame, shortly 
come to pass, is what it says. Now, we can confirm this from other passages in the Bible. Other passages help us to see the same thing. You might say, how? If they're not in the book of Revelation, I'll explain in a moment. But let me mention the number again. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Revelation 20 talks about the reign of Christ. The reign of Christ in his kingdom. Well, is that kingdom supposed to be set up when Christ comes back? Or has it already been set up a long time ago? Well, the Bible makes it clear from other passages outside the book of Revelation. For example, John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, he said, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's about to be here. It's almost here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and John the Baptist said that. He's talking about the kingdom that we read about in Revelation 20. So if that kingdom was at hand when John the Baptist was walking this earth, then the fulfillment of the prophecy of Revelation 20 would have been back in the first century time frame. Mark chapter 9 verse 1 to me is the clearest passage on this point. Here's Jesus talking to some audience. I don't know how many. Let's just say 100 people. Here's how Mark 9 1 reads. Jesus is is speaking. He says, and he said unto them, verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. What's Jesus saying there? Well, it's obvious. Let's say he's talking to 100 people. We don't know how many, but let's just say 100. He's saying some of those 100 would still be alive when the kingdom of God comes, when the kingdom of God starts. Some of them would still be alive. And that's the same kingdom that we read about in Revelation 20. So we know the fulfillment of the prophecy that we find in Revelation 20 was fulfilled in the first century time frame because it's talking about the kingdom, the reign of Christ. And Jesus said while he was on earth, some of you I'm talking to will not die till you've seen the kingdom of God come with power. So the kingdom came within that first century time frame shows then that the fulfillment of the prophecy about the kingdom in Revelation 20 was fulfilled in the first century time frame. Unless, unless you have some people still alive today, over 2,000 years old. Because Jesus is saying the kingdom would come while some of you are still alive. It would come before all of you die. So unless some of them are still alive 2,000 years later, The kingdom came during their lifetime, the first century time frame, and that again helps us to see that that prophecy we find in Revelation 20 was fulfilled in the first century time frame. That kingdom began in conjunction with the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. I'm reading from Acts 2 here, verse 30, 31, and 33. It says, that he would raise up, talking about God, that he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that therefore being by the right hand of God exalted. So when did the kingdom start? Well, it says he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, talking about the resurrection of Christ. So when Christ was resurrected, according to this passage, and then when he ascended to sit on the right hand of God, he began his reign on his throne. He became the king of the kingdom which is what Revelation 20 is prophesying about. And this says it happened in conjunction 
conjunction, excuse me, with the resurrection and ascension of Christ. This is what Peter said by inspiration in Acts 2. Wallace from Alabama, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. All right, as a comment, sir, I wonder why ministers and Christians ask God to bless our federal government. And the reason I ask that, I see the government from the president right down to the smallest employee with our country. They will take, like, for an example, a big rake and just rake up all the scum and filth that they can come up with and then sign it into law, such as uh, the gay people, and on and on and on. Madeline O'Hare took her out of school. But still, we ask God to bless the United States government, and I don't know how we do that. I, I don't know. I can't do it. And I, Wallace? I, I know without, without a doubt I'm a Christian. I know I'm a child of God. But, sir, Wallace? I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how corrupt our government is, and it's been corrupt for many, many decades, no matter how corrupt our government is, 1 Timothy 2 still reads this way, beginning in verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And so no matter how corrupt the governments of our world are, United States or any other country, we're to pray for the rulers and to pray for those countries and ask God to help them lead in such a way that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So does that answer your question, Wallace? All right, sir. It partially does, but isn't there a verse that says if we will turn back to him, that he will heal our land? Does that not uh, go along with that, too? I mean, our country needs healing. The Bible does say that in effect. The Bible does say that in effect. And many times in the Old Testament, you're right about that. So what we need to do is... Keep preaching the gospel and try to turn our nation around by preaching the gospel. Pray for the leaders that they'll lead in such a way that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in our godliness and honesty. Now, we don't condone what they do when they approve of measures that allow homosexuality or abortion. We don't approve of that. We preach against it. Okay? Right. But we can pray that they'll change and that they'll see the error of their way. And that, okay. and that, and then if we can turn this nation around or any nation in the world by preaching the gospel is the only way to do it. Preaching the gospel, let that gospel work in the hearts of men. The Bible says in Romans 1 16, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. So the way that hearts of men are going to be changed is not really through the political process. That's never going to work. That's been tried. You're going to have to change them by preaching the gospel. Romans ten seventeen says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we got to preach the word of God, the truth, not just any version of the word of God, but actually the truth, because John 8, 32 says only the truth will set us free from sin. Ephesians 6, 17 says the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So we know the Holy Spirit convicts and converts people. How does he do it? What's his tool? 
the sword of a soldier was his tool to defend himself before we had guns to attack his his uh, the, his enemy. Well, the sword of the spirit, the tool of the spirit is the word of God. And he uses us also as tools to preach the word of God. That's the only way uh, that we're going to change this nation and we'll be blessed by God if we if the nation will change. But we're not going to change it by this political process. That's never going to work. It's going to take the preaching of the gospel. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Now, we read in Acts 2 that the kingdom of Christ began when he was resurrected and ascended up to the right hand of God. He would raise up to for Christ to sit on his throne. Now, if that's true, you know, before that, we read in Matthew 3, verse 2, and Mark 9, 1, the kingdom was talked about in the future sense. Acts 2 pinpoints for us when that kingdom started. We should expect after Acts 2, then when we read about the kingdom, it should be spoken of in the past tense as if it already existed. And we do. For example, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 reads, who hath delivered us, from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Or we might say transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. How could these Christians have been transferred into the kingdom if the kingdom didn't already exist? Now, remember, Revelation 20 prophesies about that kingdom. Well, it must have been fulfilled in the first century time frame because we read in Colossians 1.13 that the kingdom was in existence. That prophecy had been fulfilled. Revelation 1.9 does the same thing. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in the kingdom of Jesus. So when the book of Revelation was written, the kingdom that Revelation 20 talks about, prophesies about, had already begun. John was the companion of the people he was writing to in the kingdom. So this just confirms, double down confirms what we read in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, Revelation 1 1. Revelation 22, verse 6, Revelation 22, verse 10, that the fulfillment of the prophecies of the book of Revelation were to occur in the first century time frame. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Now, we have this idea floating around called premillennialism. Premillennialism, they they disagree on a lot of different points, premillennialists. But the one thing they agree on, the heart of the doctrine is, is that when Jesus comes back, the second coming of Christ, he's going to set up the kingdom, his kingdom, a physical kingdom, and reign from Jerusalem physically, just like David and Solomon did. But we just read four or five passages that prove that the kingdom was already in existence beginning with the resurrection and ascension of Christ. So how could it be true that Jesus is going to set up this kingdom at the second coming of Christ when the Bible teaches that he that he became the king of the kingdom in conjunction with his resurrection and ascension to Christ, ascension to heaven. Now, let's go to 2 Peter 3 and let's look at what's going to actually happen when Jesus comes back. Now, 2 Peter 3, I'm going to begin by reading verses 3 and 4 to set the context. It says, There shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where's the promise of his coming? 
So what's going on in this chapter is by, by the time Second Peter's written, it's been several, maybe four or five or six decades since Jesus left and promised that he would come back again. And people are mocking and scoffing, saying, where's the promise of his coming? You know, Jesus said he would come back. It's been 50 or 60 years. He must not be coming. You, and they were mocking this promise. That's what Peter's talking about in this chapter. He says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In other words, there's no signs. You're not going to be able to predict. The thief doesn't tell you ahead of time when he's coming. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. He's talking about the second coming. That's what we saw from verses 3 and 4. In the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are there, therein shall be burned up. So instead of when Jesus comes back the second time setting up a kingdom, his kingdom reigning from Jerusalem physically like David and Solomon did, we see from the passages we've read that his kingdom was set up. He began his reign in conjunction with his resurrection and ascension to heaven. And that when he comes back again, instead of setting up the kingdom, the earth's going to be burned up. And he's also going to deliver the kingdom back to God. Instead of starting the kingdom, that's going to be the end of the kingdom. We read this from 1 Corinthians 15, 23 through 26. It says, they that are Christ at his coming. So we're talking about the second coming of Christ. It says, then cometh the end. So at the second coming of Christ, that's when the end of the world comes. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. So far from starting the kingdom when he comes back again, he's going to deliver up the kingdom to God when he comes back again because he will have been reigning. Uh, if he were to come back tomorrow, that means he would have been reigning about 2,000 years. He's already reigning. It says, let me finish the reading. Even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign, meaning Jesus was already reigning when this book was written, the book of 1 Corinthians, for he must reign till he had put, put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Christ is going to reign until physical death is ended. And we know that's going to happen now based upon what we learned at the end of the world. No more physical death at the second coming of Christ. He's not going to reign after the second coming of Christ. He's reigning right now. We're part of the kingdom if we serve him. And then when he comes back, physical death will end, and that will be the end of his reign. Now, let's go back and circle back to what we were talking about. You see, that kingdom prophesied in Revelation chapter 20 has already been fulfilled. We're already in that kingdom. It's not something future to us. So don't think of the book of Revelation as prophesying about things that are going to happen during our lifetime. We read four passages at the beginning of this program that prove conclusively. If you know what conclusive proof is, there's a difference in conclusive proof instead of just asserting something. Okay, we gave conclusive proof from two verses at the beginning of the book, two verses at the end of, book, end of the book of Revelation. All four of them say that the prophecies of the book of Revelation, like the mark of the beast, the 666, were to be fulfilled in the first century time frame. The first century time frame. It says things which must shortly come to pass. Chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 3, the time is at near. It's, the time is near. It's talking about the fulfillment of the prophecies in the book of Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 6, things which must shortly be done. Not longly, but shortly. Revelation 22, 10, for the time is at hand. In other words, it's almost here time-wise. And that's all confirmed by Mark chapter 9, verse 1, when Jesus said to his audience, many of you standing here will not taste of death 
till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. So the prophecies of the book of Revelation, including the kingdom in Revelation 20, were to occur in the lifetime of those that Jesus were speaking to. In other words, it either came in the first century time frame, either the book of Revelation was fulfilled, including the terminology about the mark of the beast and the 666, those things, whatever they're referring to, that happened during the first century time frame, or we have people living today over 2,000 years old, because Jesus said this would all happen before some of you that he was speaking to would die. We appreciate you listening to the program tonight. If you would like to take advantage of my free one-hour phone Bible study, we'll do it whenever it's convenient for you, morning, afternoon, or evening, any day of the week, free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience. I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. If you want the free one-hour phone Bible study, call or text Pat, 256-682-9753. If you want to go to BibleCrossFire.com, that's our website to listen to old programs, do a Bible correspondence course, email me with any Bible questions.